All right, you ready for this? Ready. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to Device Talks Weekly. This is episode 11, and it's going to be an abbreviated episode. It's a holiday weekend. On behalf of Chris Newmarker, Executive Editor of Life Sciences here at Mass Device and Device Talks, and myself, we hope you have a, a great holiday with family and any friends that you're able to safely socialize with. But I did want to leave you with a few things to, uh, to think about and to, to listen, and I hope enjoy. One is a conversation I had with Jeff Champagne. Uh, Jeff is the Director of Business Development at NPR Associates, and he'll be hosting our conversation on Device Talks Tuesday. It's coming up on this Tuesday, as the name suggests. And he's having a, a really great conversation. We actually just got off the planning call with uh, his colleague, Craig Mock, and uh, Greg Jackson of Maculogics. They're going to talk about how Maculogics brought in NPR to help fast track the development of a diagnostic tool and to make it into really a sleek, cool, wearable device. It's a, it's a great story, not only because of what they were able to achieve in the design, but the way they were able to get it done. They uh, really had to put the pedal to the metal. They really had to find different ways to get the supplies they needed, and they really had to work quickly. And that's going to be sort of the overlying theme of this conversation. You know, this, this virus that we're all facing in this pandemic creates a, a sense of urgency like we've never seen in this industry before. Uh, everyone is looking at parallel paths. I mean, if you read the news, you'll see that Pfizer has got four different candidates uh, for a vaccine in development in, in a parallel path. So I think if we're going to accomplish the goal of, of getting to solutions by this fall, uh, we're going to have to pull off some miracles. And that means not only understanding process, but understanding who can accomplish those things and who can't. For example, we're reviewing you know products to present to the NIH and BARDA for funding. And part of the disqualifier is if, if they can't go fast, they're not an option. And um, so I think we all really need to understand what's involved with speed and uh, what are the trade-offs and what are the, um, what are the constraints? And, uh, and, and this will kind of lay that all out. So I'm hoping that everyone takes away um, what it takes and they can incorporate these elements into their own process. Okay, well, it should be a great conversation. I hope you'll join us on Device Talks Tuesday. You can go to devicetalks.com to register for that. It's free. We're grateful to have you as part of our Device Talks community. We hope you'll sign up. You can ask questions. It'll be an interactive conversation. So uh, please do join us. It also will be available on demand after that. But uh, I think these things are uh, very enjoyable live. So I hope you will join us. And now let's get into this week's podcast. It's going to be a short one. We all have things to do this weekend, but I did want to shed some light on the Medtronic quarterly call this week. Medtronic reported really disappointing Q4 results. Their uh, sales were down 26% compared to years before, and that's probably one of the worst numbers we've seen reported by medtech companies. But what was strange about the conversation is how hopeful the Medtronic executives were, including new CEO, Jeff Martha. This was his first analyst call. So I wanted to explore that a little bit. I did that on Mass Device this week. There's an article up there, but I wanted to share the actual audio with you because Medtronic's 
quarter quarter ended a few weeks after other companies. So the report has come later than than other companies. And as you'll see in this clip featuring Executive Vice President and CFO Karen Parkhill, there's reasons to find some optimism in early May numbers. It's, it's too it's too soon to to say for sure. And let's listen to Karen Parkhill's answer to a question from Bob Hopkins an analyst from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And Jeff Martha will follow up with a comment of his own afterwards. Yeah, thanks, Bob. You know, I'll just talk about the month of May quickly. Um, we are seeing encouraging signs, um, and particularly as we look at our, our largest regions in China and the U.S. and Western Europe. Um, in, in China, where we had, you know, stronger declines in February and March of around 46%, uh, you know, we said we saw April declines of around 21%, and now we're seeing declines in China in the high teens. So, you know, continued improvement there. And in Western Europe, uh, where we saw declines in April of around 32%, you know, in May we're seeing declines of around 20%. So, again, continued improvement in Western May, uh, in, in Western Europe. And in the U.S., um, the picture's a bit clouded when we look at April because of our bulk purchases. But we're clearly seeing procedural improvement across the U.S. And in May, you know, declines of around 30% just in the first few weeks of May, which is better than what we had in April. Yep. And, and just to, to, to build on that in the U.S., I mean, um, you know, Karen, give you the numbers. Uh, anecdotally, we're getting uh, tax calls uh, from hospital CEO, big health system CEOs, purchasing people, uh, you know, basically – uh, indicating um, a faster than anticipated recovery in, in, in many parts of the, of the United States, and you know, basically saying, "Are you guys ready? Buckle up!" You know, so that's two things I like about that. One, the encouragement, but two, that they're talking to us about these things. And so it's, um, yeah, the Northeast is going to be a little slower. I think the patient fear factor is a little higher there because the the virus hit harder in, in New York and, and Massachusetts, but. Other parts of the U.S. Uh, very optimistic. So, so anyway, that that's why that's why we're we're thinking Q, Q1 for us is the trial, and, and we're starting the trough rather, and we're seeing the uh, we're starting to see encouraging signs here. Well, that's great news from Medtronic. According to other companies that were uh, looking forward to Q2 to April, May, and June, they were expecting really down quarters. So perhaps Medtronic's uh, positive projections for May will carry over to other medtechs. But what about going forward? Kristen Stewart of Barclays asked a great question about M&A. Medtronic has billions in cash. It has about $11 billion in cash, another couple of billion in credit. Is now a good time for the medtech giant to begin buying? Let's hear what Jeff Martha has to say. As you guys are thinking, just kind of longer term and bigger picture, um, Jeff, just thinking about kind of your earlier comments, um, I guess a couple quarters ago, just kind of on the M&A landscape, and you guys clearly have very good balance sheet, and Karen's done a great job just improving the cash flows of the company. How are you just thinking about um, deployment of capital now? You know, you guys have the opportunity, I guess, to be potentially a little bit more aggressive on the M&A front. Um, do you think this is the opportunity now to go out and, and do that, or are you guys going to be a little bit more uh, watchful and waiting to see how the landscape shakes out, just given COVID and, and the backdrop? Thanks. Um, uh, thanks, Kristen. Thanks for the comments. Thanks for the question. Uh, and yes, uh, I, I am coming into this new role 
I definitely have a uh, even more of appreciation for the cash flow, and I'm a little forgiving of all the grief that Karen gave me about uh, generating more cash flow in my prior role. I'm thanking her now for that. Uh, but when it comes to M&A, you know, we're not going to be watchful and w- waiting to see how uh, COVID plays out uh, or the economy. I mean, that we believe that uh, the health care and med tech, the, the areas that we're in, like we said earlier, um, are going to, you know, come back. And Karen indicated earlier in the call that uh, we believe by, by our, our Q4 that, that our you know, revenue uh, growth a two-year stack basis, we'll be back to normal levels and profitability. So, I mean, we we feel like this is a hit. Obviously, it's a very difficult financial impact for everybody, but we do feel uh, bullish on on the future here of the market and then us uh, as well. So we won't hold back for those reasons. Uh, you know, and like I said earlier in the call, uh, we are looking for, um, you know, pro- ma- mainly focused on tuck-in deals that are going to create long-term uh, improvements to our weighted average market growth rate, um, and allow us to, uh, you know, to, you know, to uh, better position us strategically. So tuck-in deals are, you know, what we're looking for. I, I, I tend to prefer, you know, we'll do various sizes. I, you know, I, I like the, the, you know, the, you know, medium, you know, billion dollar, you know, the, the, that range because it has has a bigger impact on our growth rate. Um, but, but so that that's what we're looking for, and and for sure, the. Um, you know the, the the virus's impact on the markets and and prices, asset prices has is going to help uh, is going to make certain assets more attractive. I, I hope that helps. Uh, you know, hope that answers your question. Yeah, and and just in terms of um, thinking through, I would say more from a um, opportunity in, in the you know different businesses that you have has COVID or just kind of thinking through the landscape change the different areas that you would look opportunistically, whether it would change your view on whether to tuck in more on the cardio side or whether it would tuck in um, more thinking about like telehealth or or any of those areas. Does it change kind of where you would think you would lay kind of um, your chips from more of a product or, or service oriented or anything like that? Thanks again. Um, I wouldn't say uh, it, it changes by our, the, the business areas. I mean, the you mentioned... Um, we're, we, we're going to be making investments, uh, more investments, in uh, remote capabilities of our of our product and of our business model. Quite frankly, so whether it be you know remote programming of devices, remote monitoring of devices, uh, remote case support, re- digital medical education, and things like that. So investing, and this is an area where I think uh, Medtronic as a company, as an enterprise. This is an area we can add value to our, our different business units by um, making investments like these that can scale across a lot of them. Whether that's, I don't know that that needs to be M&A, and if it, there could be, there are some some opportunities there that we're looking at uh, that 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 are more around that that whole idea of, of remote, but also just organic investments and partnerships with large and small tech, technology companies. Um, like I mentioned in the commentary, I mean I was. Uh, really, uh, you know, blown away by h- how um, some of these other companies can augment our technologies, like whether it be, you know, Intel or some of the, you know, there's a lot of smaller companies as well, augmenting our capabilities to be more virtual, to be more remote. Um, and and um, so I, I think the part, there's some partnership opportunities. So, so in the virtual area, it's, it's or the remote area, it's, it's organic investment, 
partnerships, including partnerships with other companies, and and potentially some 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 M and A as well. That's that that's one area that I would argue um, is definitely increased uh, in terms of our um, our focus. But nothing I wouldn't I can't think of anything that between the the, the different businesses. So that's great news to have Medtronic out there on the uh, M and A circuit. Looking for a few companies to acquire, as Jeff Martha said, he's looking looking at deals of all sizes, but uh, may favor those in the billion-dollar neighborhood, which is a nice neighborhood for investors, both public and private. So it'll be interesting to see how things turn out over the next few months. All right, well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me on this abbreviated version of Device Talks Weekly. I, uh, again, hope you'll join us on Device Talks Tuesdays for a great conversation featuring uh, NPR. You can go to devicetalks.com to register. It's free. We'd love to have you as part of that conversation. I'm also working the agenda for Device Talks Boston. That's happening on September 24th and 25th in Boston, my hometown. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you have some insights, you can uh, reach out to me. My email is tsalemi, that's T-S-A-L-E-M-I, at wtwhmedia.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and, of course, on Twitter, where I am, at MedTechTom. My partner, Chris Newmarker, can be reached on Twitter, at Newmarker, as in a Newmarker, also on LinkedIn, also via email, cnewmarker at wtwhmedia.com. That's it, folks. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. It'd be great to have you receive these future episodes or receive future episodes directly to your listening device. And uh, don't forget to share. Please uh, let your friends know that you're listening to the podcast. Let them know what kind of job you think we're doing. I hope it's a good one. And uh, include us in those comments. We'd love to be part of that conversation. All right, well, have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on the Vice Talks Weekly Podcast.